name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of the Making a Difference experience. I am your host, Ken Macon. This is the second of a three-part series called Meet the Candidates. Election Day is Tuesday in Augusta, Richmond County. What we've done on MAD is created a three-part series so you can hear from the candidates in a series of local political races. This podcast will feature the Superior Court judge races, as well as the Clerk of Court and the Marshal's race. Before we get underway, let's thank our sponsor. Thanks to Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard in Augusta, Georgia. If you're looking for affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355. TaxWise Financial at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. Professional and affordable representation, the wise choice for all your tax needs. TaxWise Financial in Hepzibah, Georgia, 706-305-1412. And Urban Pro Weekly, a free weekly newspaper in the CSRA covering issues relating to the local community. Making a Difference has a weekly column in UPW, and back issues are available at the Urban Pro Weekly page on Facebook. We had scheduling conflicts with two candidates, so their audio isn't featured. However, I have done political profiles of those candidates, and they can be viewed via the Urban Pro Weekly Facebook page. Uh, That is applicable to this particular podcast. We had a chance for the Marshals race to talk with Ramon Lampkin. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't get a chance to get audio with uh, the incumbent, Steve Smith. However, we did a political profile that can, can be found on the Urban Pro Weekly Facebook page. You've heard from me. Now, listen to the candidates. You're listening to Making a Difference. I'm John Flight, candidate for Superior Court Judge. As an assistant district attorney, as a lawyer in private practice, and as a state court judge, I've earned unmatched experience handling civil and criminal matters in the Augusta Judicial Circuit. I'm tough on crime, I'm firm but fair, and I will do what's right for this community. Together, we can keep our streets safe, our families strong, and our future bright. May 24th is an important election, and I would be honored to have your vote. I'm John Flight, and I approve this message. Paid for by John Flight for Superior Court. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists, Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College. Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Hello, I'm Representative Henry Wayne Howard, and I'm honored to serve the citizens of House District 124. We have come through some of the toughest economic times in recent history. The good news is that we are rebounding. Look at some of the growth that's going on around you. State highways infrastructure is being done all over town. 
Augusta University is thriving. We have entertainment coming at an all-time high. But there's much, much more to be done. Too many of our kids are falling into the school-to-prison pipeline. We must put a seal on the education pipeline. That is why we were able to get the PBIS initiative up to $1 million now when we sponsored a bill called Too Young to Suspend. I will continue to work hard to bring more dollars for infrastructure that will lead to more industry, more opportunities for small businesses, and more jobs. Allow me to continue to serve to move this city forward. Vote for Henry Wayne Howard, House District 124. Paid for by the committee to elect Wayne Howard State Representative. Ivana Pascal was appointed by Mayor Devaney as a municipal court judge. She's got the experience. Ivana Pascal has been an attorney in the CSRA for over 40 years. She has a degree from the University of Georgia Law School. Ms. Pascal will look out for senior citizens, and we need her. A vote for Ivana Pascal is a vote for our future. Vote for Evita Pascal. May 24th, vote Evita Pascal for Superior Court Judge. Superior Court Judge Candidate Evita Pascal. Talk about the importance of, of diversity to your campaign and what it what it would mean to have an African American woman to take the position of Superior Court Judge. Okay. Uh, women are vastly underrepresented in the Superior Court judgeships as well as blacks are underrepresented. And what I mean by that, there are eight full-time Superior Court judges, and I believe three part-time Superior Court judges. There is only one woman, and there is only one black. Our population does not match that. Uh, there is a majority population in Richmond County, there is a majority population in Burke County and Columbia County of women. And blacks are the majority, blacks and uh, other uh, minorities are the larger population in Richmond and Burke. Therefore, our Superior Court should represent our people. Now, why is it important to have the court to reflect the population? It's important because the ruling reflects the experiences of the person that is ruling. So, therefore, a, a, a woman would understand issues that are specifically dealing with women, and blacks will understand issues that are specifically dealing with blacks. It's not to say that they won't rule uh, properly or uh, unjust because of their race, but that's another part of their character that is being uh, displayed when they make decisions. Therefore, we should be represented. Women should be represented. Blacks should be represented. But, but one of the reasons I want to be uh, a Superior Court judge is that I'm more than qualified to be a Superior Court judge. I've been practicing law for over 42 years. I've been a prosecutor for almost 30-something years. I've been a judge for over three years when I was a municipal court judge. I started off as a prosecutor in the DA's office under Richard Allen. I was an assistant DA. I later became an assistant solicitor of state court, 
assistant solicitor of magistrate court, a solicitor of magistrate court. And then I became municipal court judge, and now I'm back a solicitor of magistrate court. It's, it's very impressive. You um, mentioned the, um, the issue of, you know, uh, judges ruling and making sure that they rule with fairness. And when, when you talk about having someone in there who can identify, um, you know, in, the ter in terms of demographics, you're talking about empathy. You're talking about bringing that, that compassion uh, to the bench. Is, is that what you're uh, alluding to? That's exactly what I'm alluding to. One of my platforms is that I will bring compassion. And what I mean by that, look for alternative ways of sentencing uh, and look for uh, a better understanding of uh, what could have transpired when the person committed the crime. And I always bring up this example of this young boy that was 16 years old that met this gentleman at McDonald's. And this gentleman who was an older man, a more experienced man and a criminal, talked him into going on a ride with him. And as it turned out, that ride was going to commit an armed robbery. When the man left the car, he didn't know that the man was getting ready to commit an armed robbery. And naturally, both of them were caught, and both of them were sentenced. And the boy got over 20 years. And he had no record, had never done anything in his life other than make the mistake of working at McDonald's and meeting this man at McDonald's. So I thought that should be a little bit more compassion with the judge. That case occurred in uh, South Carolina. But nevertheless, I think the judge should have had more compassion for the 16-year-old and understood what kind of life that boy was going to have once he was in the criminal justice system for over 20 years. I didn't follow the case to make sure he actually served all those years, but that's just one case that just totally stuck out in my mind, and it occurred over 10 years ago, and I still uh, agonize over the sentence that that young boy was given. Now, we don't feel it when it's not our relative. But when it becomes our son, our daughter, our niece, our nephew, our brother, our sister, then it resonates. But by that time, it's too late. You need to make a decision about what type of judge you want during the election, not when it directly impacts you or your family. That's, uh, I, I think that's a, a message to the voter. I mean, particularly during this political season and, you know, how, however you may feel about a, a candidate or candidates, understand that the decisions you make or the decisions that you don't make are going to affect you for a um, an appointed period of time. That may be two years. That may be four years. You have some candidates who, I mean, are in bids for re-election, so you're talking about eight years. And I, I just think that's a, a great point uh, from you, Attorney Pascal. Uh, any other points in terms of your, your platform that you want to share with the community? Yes, I want to share with the community that they have known me all these years. So, first of all, I'm, I bring justice that you know and trust. You know you can trust Evita Pascal. You experienced Evita Pascal in the community for over 42 years. You know I bring compassion based on what I've done previously. You know I care about the community. 
based on my practice previously, based on the fact that I, uh, the majority of my practice now is bankruptcy because I care about people. I chose bankruptcy because I wanted to really make a difference in a person's life as an attorney. I've done everything else, but I decided to go into bankruptcy to make a difference, to save someone's life to save a person from stress, to save the family. And one other thing I want to tell the listeners is understand that I am not running for state court. I know a lot of people confuse the fact that I am running uh, because it says judge. They think that I possibly may be a running against Monique or Kelly or Bo Hunter. I am not running against any one of those. So you can vote for me and still vote for one of them. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let the people know, certainly. (laughs) And also, I'm not running against Carl Brown. The gentleman running against Carl Brown is Chris Nicholson. I'm running against someone else. So you can totally vote for me, vote for Carl Brown, and vote for state court. But a vote for Evita Pascal is a vote for the future of the community. You're not just voting for me. You're sending, sending a, simple, a, a, a message to Burke, Columbia, and Richmond County that it's time for a change, it's time for a new voice. And I want to make the community aware that I am running in Burke, Columbia, and Richmond County. So you can vote for me whether you are in any of those counties. And you can tell your relatives, your friends, your mates, anyone that's in those counties that you know Evita Pascal, And you know she would be a good candidate. And you know they should vote for Evita Pascal. Very, very well said. And certainly across the, uh, the Tri-County area. We want to see uh, just great amounts of voter turnout. I don't care if the election's in May. And you say, well, we, I don't vote in November. No, you need to vote in May. And, and you need to vote early. I want to talk to you because you've had great political um, aspirations in the past. You are someone who's out front in the community. And I want to ask you how uh, your past experience in politics, how have uh, those, uh, those moments and those situations prepared you for right now? Well, when I ran for a district attorney and the results that we got kind of demonstrated that the community is ready for a change. Uh, we won uh, Burke County and Richmond County. Uh, so what we need is to do uh, some additional work on getting the voters out in Columbia County uh, and getting the voters not only to come out but to vote for Evita Pascal. And you, the viewers, can help me out by telling people that you know in Columbia County to come out and vote for Evita Pascal. Don't assume that by your voting for me, that's enough. I really need your help in helping me to get the voters out in Columbia County. And if you know anything that I should do, even at this late date, to reach the voters in Columbia County, my phone number is 706-722-0100. So contact me and let me know anything you think I should do to help get the vote out. There's a reason this election was placed on May 24th. And, and the reason I believe, and believe me, this is only Vita Pascal talking, uh, 
is that the purpose is to dilute the vote to prevent getting the numbers that you usually get when you have a presidential election. But I really want the voters of Richmond, Burke, and Columbia, Columbia County to shock the world, come out in large numbers, and let the world know that you will not allow your vote to be diluted, that you're going to vote whenever there is an election. If I could have gone to commercial after that, I almost just want to just look, shut it down, say we'll, we'll be back after that, because that was just a, <laughs> such a, a, a great commentary. We want to see voter turnout. I, I say I say this. Our predecessors fought too hard. Um, the, the times we live in are much too urgent for us to not vote. I want to see, you know, people say, well, 50% voter turnout is a great voter turnout. And by all accounts, it may be. But I, to me, I... My expectation is 100% voter turnout because if you have a voice, if you're registered to vote, then you need to make your voice count. Just uh, very excited about a, a very conscious candidate uh, who, as you mentioned, is running for superior court judge to um, replace the vacancy left by Judge Carlisle Overstreet, attorney of Ida Pascal. So glad to have you on the show. Today. Superior court judge candidate John Flynn. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon, here with a candidate uh, for... <clears throat> Here with a candidate for Superior Court Judge um, in the Augusta Judicial Circuit uh, for the seat of, excuse me, the, uh, the vacancy um, that's being left by Judge Carlisle Overstreet. I'm here with uh, the candidate, uh, Mr. John Flight. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. I hope you're doing well. I, t I tell you, I'm, I'm feeling good. It's, a, it's, it's such a, a great time, a great political season. Had a chance to talk with you this past Saturday over at Antioch Baptist Church, and you were, you know, you were just telling me how you know, exciting it is in terms of you know, how, you, how campaigning allows you to get out and really meet the constituency, really meet the people, really meet people, you know, in, in the Tri-County area. Talk yeah. about that. As a sitting judge for the past six years, uh, we really are prohibited from engaging any, from any political activity. And so there are uh, political meetings that I cannot go to. It would be a violation of the canons. And I have met more people probably in the last five months than I have the past five years. All right, well, for the past six years, I've been a state court judge in Richmond County. Uh, and that is a full-time judgeship. There are four of us uh, in Richmond County State Court, and uh, it's been an honor to serve in that capacity. The types of matters that we handle are misdemeanor criminal cases, and we handle civil matters. There's no jurisdictional limit to the civil matters that we handle. And so that means you can have something from a very simple collections case to a, a medical malpractice matter. It could be a products liability or a wrongful death kind of suit. And so uh, it's been a lot of really interesting cases that I've been able to preside over. It's been a, a good experience to help move those through the system. Uh, most of our time, I would imagine, spent uh, handling criminal matters. And I estimate that I probably have my hands on 30,000 or more criminal cases in the past six years in that court. Probably presided over, I would estimate, somewhere in the range of 50 jury trials. Uh, we have uh, jury trials really almost on a monthly basis in state court. And, and it's a really a wonderful experience to work with the juries, to get that jury impaneled, and to, to help the lawyers get that case through and get a verdict. And so it, it's rewarding work, and I'm looking forward to doing more of that in a different setting. I, I want to ask you about that, uh, that transition from state court to superior court. What does it mean in terms of you know, service to your community? What does it mean in terms of you know, just facilitating um, the judicial circuit and helping it move along smoothly? Well, you know, the Superior Court uh, has a different range of cases in which they preside over. Uh, they handle felony criminal matters. 
Uh, in some counties, in Columbia County, they do handle the misdemeanors as well. They handle civil cases, and those civil cases would also include the domestic relations work, which I think is probably some of the most important work that Superior Court judges handle. Um, the Superior Court judge has a great deal of uh, discretion and control over how those cases are disposed of. Custody matters, the judge himself or herself makes those decisions. Uh, the only oversight would be at an appellate level. Uh, there's no jury in a custody matter. You can have a jury in a divorce case for the property side of it. That's unusual. It's usually the judge making those decisions as well. And so uh, I think it gives me the opportunity to serve a broader community, not just Richmond County, but Columbia and Burke as well, and also present some new challenges that I'm excited about handling. And uh, addressing some of those new challenges, I want to ask you, because you, as you mentioned, you are uh, delving uh, and your candidacy is, is bringing you into a new arena. What's your philosophy in terms of jurisdiction as you anticipate some of these new uh, cases that you'll, be, that you'll be seeing if elected? Well, you know, I think that the people of this circuit uh, want and deserve someone who has experience in the types of cases they would be charged with handling as a judge. Uh, I have experience on the bench, and I'm proud of my record and my reputation that I have developed as a state court judge, but even before that as a municipal court judge in Grovetown. That was a part-time judgeship. I was able to practice law at the same time. Uh, in my private practice, I handled the types of cases that a Superior Court judge would handle on a daily basis. I represented people in child custody matters and divorces. I represented people who had been charged with serious criminal offenses. And so really every day of my private practice, uh, I would find myself in a Superior Court before a Superior Court judge. Uh, the trial aspect of my practice has certainly helped me uh, as a state court judge. I think if you have not tried cases before a jury, you're probably not particularly well equipped to preside over jury trials. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a learning experience just like everything in life, but really all of my practice, whether it was when I was an assistant district attorney, whether or not when I was in private practice, uh, municipal court judge or state court judge, I feel like have been preparing me professionally to be a Superior Court judge. And there's just experience that you learn and gain from dealing with people in those situations and representing them and uh, taking on those problems that they have and helping them through those problems I think gives you a perspective as well. It's, a, it's, it's refreshing to hear and I think very uh, comprehensive. I want to go from that and kind of ask you about you know just your upbringing and then leading up to uh, uh, taking on private practice. Well, uh, born and raised here in Augusta. I graduated from Richmond Academy. I uh, went to Augusta College, then Augusta College for <laughs> a year uh, before I went to the University of Georgia. I graduated from there with a degree in history and uh, I took a year off before I went to law school and I worked at the district attorney's office. I was the runner. How about that? And uh, I knew I was going to law school at the end of that time as the runner, uh, but that was a wonderful experience because I really got to meet so many people who I still have the honor of working with now. And, uh, you know, it's not just the judges and lawyers that make the system work. It's all those folks behind the scenes. And, and uh, so that was a wonderful thing in several ways. But I uh, went to law school, went summer so that I could graduate early. I was ready to get home uh, and uh, get married. My wife and I had been dating from high school through college. And so I was ready to get back home and ready to get to work. And so uh, my first job was at the district attorney's office as a prosecutor and did that for several years, handled a wide variety of criminal matters, 
uh, and enjoyed that work very much. Uh, and so after that, uh, my family was growing. I knew that if I was going to open my own practice, I needed to do it. Uh, you know, it was a good time to do it. So I left the DA's office and opened up my own practice. I hung out a shingle, as they say. What year? What year? Uh, that was in 2002. January 1st, 2002, I hung out my shingle. <laughs> my office that I was running at the time did not have, uh, the gas had not been connected. I believe it was snowing. And I sat in my office in an overcoat and a hat, freezing, watching the, waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> uh, but I, private practice is a wonderful experience. I mean, you're running a business, uh, but you're also getting to uh, help people with problems. And that's what they come to. They come to you with a problem, and they're looking to you to help them resolve that problem. I, I hear various experiences, and it just seems like it's just a collection of things that have created, you know, John Flyth, the candidate, uh, John Flyth, the community servant. I mean, how exciting is it now to, you know, kind of review all these experiences and then now to have a chance to present yourself, um, I mean, it certainly as a viable candidate. Yeah, it, it's, it's very exciting and it's humbling. And uh, I have received calls from people who had been clients 10 years ago that I would not heard from then. I thought about a lot of them and, uh, and, and called and said, what can I do to help you? And, and sometimes you don't really know if a client has appreciated what you've done or kind of maybe in their mind how those their case went but when they call you and want to help you ten years later uh, it, it, it tells you that you've done something right and that they appreciated what you've done for them and it, it's, a, it's a humbling experience. That's great. Uh, listening audience I just uh, want to remind you um, and, and just want to just say we're just so glad to have a candidate for a Superior Court in the Augusta Judicial Circuit uh, Mr. John Flyth, best of luck to you, my friend. Well, thank you, and uh, I'd be honored to have uh, the votes of the people of this community. I will continue to work hard and continue to give the kind of service that I believe this community deserves and expects and certainly should expect. So thank you. Thank you. I'm Richmond County Sheriff Richard Roundtree. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon. I'm Ronnie Battle, and I approve this message. Ronnie Battle, Commissioner Candidate for Super District 9, will bring the Augusta Commission a critical skill set learned while serving in the U.S. Air Force for over 24 years. His value of dedication, teamwork, and integrity will serve the citizens of Augusta well. There will be no bickering or gridlock, and he will be responsible with taxpayers' money. His demonstrated leadership is very deserving of your vote, May 24th. I'm not looking for any personal gain. I simply want to do what what is in the best interest of all the citizens of Augusta, Richmond County, let me serve you. I am Andrew Jefferson, a candidate for District 5 Commissioner, and I need your vote on Tuesday, May 24. My priorities for District 5 are as follows. Economic growth, opportunities for high-wage jobs, safe neighborhoods, and empowering small businesses. I have over 30 years of experience in education, and have worked in the political arena previously as a former Board of Education trustee. I have a vision for South Augusta. I want to see South Richmond County return to the forefront. We can do that through community involvement and by bringing major corporations to Augusta. I have a wide range of experiences, including my work as an instructor and department chair at Augusta Technical College various administrative and political jobs with the Richmond County school system. And even as a small business owner, I know that I am the best candidate, but I need your vote District 5. 
I encourage you to take advantage of early voting. But if not, please make sure to get out to vote on Tuesday, May 24th for me, Andrew Jefferson, the candidate for District 5 Commission, paid for by the committee to elect Andrew Jefferson. Have you gotten a letter from the IRS about an audit, levy, or tax lien? Worried because you haven't filed taxes in several years? Well, stop worrying and call the tax pros at TaxWise Financial on Tobacco Road. TaxWise Financial is licensed to represent you at all levels of the IRS in any state. From the simple to the complex, professional and affordable representation by TaxWise Financial will help resolve all of your tax issues. Call them at 706-305-1412. TaxWise Financial, the wise choice for all your tax needs. Hello Augusta, this is Ernest Smith, your Georgia State House Representative for District 125. I am seeking your vote on May 24th so that District 125 can continue to receive the tangible results with me as your public servant. Let's look. As a former aviation commissioner, we built the first ever air passenger terminal at Augusta Regional Airport. The first ever STEM Technical High School in Augusta. Under dual enrollment program, kids can graduate with a degree and also an associates from Augusta Tech. At Augusta Tech, we have the best welders program in the United States, the first cyber technology certification program in the South, the best nuclear reactor operator certification program, period. First ever cooperative education program between EasyGo and the Richmond County School System, using the old Procter & Gamble plant as a hub. Much needed road work and highway expansion on both Highway 56 and Winter Spring Road. Christ Community Health Center on Green Street, serving underinsured and low-income souls where your spirits are lifted along with top-notch medical care. Heritage Academy on Green Street, where our children receive a first-rate Christian education, all in District 125. So District 125, we don't need a new voice. Let's continue with the now voice. Vote for Ernest Smith to continue as your District 125 state representative. God bless you, Augustus, my prayer. I am Patrick Cullinan, Police Benevolent Association of Georgia staff representative. Ramon Lampkin has demonstrated that his experience and values make him uniquely qualified to represent the voters of Richmond County as their marshal. Ramon also demonstrated that he is committed to making strong, effective law enforcement a priority in the marshal's office. Ramon Lampkin has earned the support of the PBA. We are asking that citizens of Richmond County show their support and vote Ramon Lampkin for Marshall on May 24th. Paid for by the committee to elect Ramon Lampkin. Richmond County Marshall's candidate, Ramon Lampkin. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon, here with a candidate for the Marshal's Office, uh, just a, a young man that I'm really excited you know, to um, be interviewing and to ha have you all hear from him, uh, none other than Ramon Lampkin. Brother Lampkin, how you doing today, my friend? That's great, man. Glad you have me. Glad, glad you're here. Glad you're here. Uh, just want to jump right into the conversation. Um, want to want to gauge your um, your thoughts and kind of your and not kind of your um, your philosophy on law enforcement. Obviously, you know you're running for the marshal's office. What um, do do you have a, a an approach to law enforcement um, that you'd like to share with the, the listening audience? Yes, I believe law enforcement should be with the people. We're not above anybody else. We are with the people. So we have to be out there in the community. Those days of the past law enforcement of we're over here and you're over there, those days are gone. We have to be a part of the community. That's one thing that I tell all my guys, you know, treat everybody with respect. Be a part of it. If you got to get out to help somebody do what you're supposed to do, we're here to help and serve. People really have to take that meeting 
to heart to protect and serve and be a part of the community. So that's definitely, you know, my philosophy with law enforcement. Talk about that throughout Richmond County, because I, I really see, I would call it a paradigm shift where you have a sheriff's office that's saying, you know what, uh, we're really going to uh, push community involvement. You know, you have the citizens, um, the citizens classes, you know, where you're having people to learn more about law enforcement. Talk about that being a culture and how it. I mean, it essentially makes those ideals that you're talking about easier. Yes, it does. And that's something that I credit Sheriff Roundtree on. He came in, he had a vision for that, and I share that same vision that we have to get the people involved. So get those debits out of those cars. Before we had shifts and we were just working and there may be a different guy on a different beat this day, a different guy on a different beat that guy another day. But then we went to the zone system and we gave the officers ownership of that area they patrol so it's the same guys in that area all the time so they go they know everybody in the area they know if something's out of place they know if a uh, dog shouldn't be over they know exactly what's going on so they embedded in the community and that's what we have to do and it also created it legitimized the sheriff's office too because well a lot of times people weren't calling the sheriff's office because they figured they're not going to do anything anything anyway they don't know anything but now you can call somebody on the phone, just like a lot of people have my phone number now. Now, it's not, it's not a, a often where people can call the, the commander of the division and call him directly and then say, hey, we got a problem with speeding vehicles over here. We have a problem with this person doing that. And they get service when they call to do that. So I think that's very important. I love the way we operate now at the sheriff's office. And I want to take that philosophy over to the marshal's office. Sounds very good. I had a chance to meet you um, at a, um, NAACP. Uh, forum, and we were talking about you know law enforcement in the community, and, and a lot of that you know derived off of you know just concerns about police brutality, different things like that. What I really liked is you had uh, this sense—I'll uh, call it an overall awareness—in um, terms of community concerns as well as uh, the responsibility of law enforcement. Um, you, you've you've already uh, you, you've essentially made those points, um, but where does that that compassion, where does that empathy come from in your mind? my mom. I mean, really, she always put put yourself on the other side to see what they're thinking about. We'll see what the other person is thinking about. And that's what we have to do as law enforcement. What if that was you? What if that was your mom? What if that was your brother or your sister? So just take a minute just to think like that. And if you do that, I mean, everything will be okay because you have watched the way you treat people. And that's what we just always, before you do things, say, if this is my mom on the side of the road, if this is my mom involved in this accident, if this is my mom, you know, that called the police out, what do I need to say to her? What, how can I comfort her? How can I make the situation better? And that's just what we need to do. Uh, I, I, I was teaching to uh, some kids the other day and just shared them my story, you know, that I came from a uh, single mother, you know, raised me. Actually, my mother gave me and my twin brother away. We came to Philadelphia and we came here to Augusta. And we were able to just to overcome so many obstacles. Never met my father. But you don't let those obstacles stop you from being what you can be. You don't let society label you. And that's one big thing what I try and tell kids nowadays. And, and I, you see in their eyes because they come from so, so, so many different backgrounds. And I came from that background too. But just don't let society label you. You can do whatever you want to do. And just try and be positive with these young people out here. That's a great story. I want to um, ask you about your platform uh, in terms of you running for the marshal's office. Are there um, any just points of reference uh, that you really want the community to know about? Definitely want the community to know about. We want to be visible. You know, it's not just enough to, to be the marshal, but people need to know who the marshal is, who the public servant. It's hard to say you're a public servant when you're not open to the public. So we need to be visible. We need to be out there. We're going to be working with the sheriff's office to try and uh, lower crime so we can actually increase property values. We need to be accessible to the community. So not enough that they see you riding around, you're getting out of the car, but they need to be able to contact you. 
So if they're able to contact you, they can call you and let you know what's going on. That's going to make you accountable. So we're going to be accountable to the to the citizens. We're going to be accountable to the to the agency. We're going to be accountable to everybody. Then we got to have that leadership. So with the new leadership I want to bring in is bringing national accreditation. I want the marshals off to be the best in the, in the state and the best in the country. But we have to compare ourselves to those agencies there. So starting a national accreditation would definitely do that to get us on the best level to start making that agency better. Um, talk about the national accreditation. We, we hear that a lot. Um, I know the sheriff's offices has talked extensively about that. What's the importance of having that? Um, what's, a, what's a good word? Um, I mean, you, we, we've already said the word accreditation, but it, it really just kind of gives it. Right. It's kind of like if you go to the hospital. I mean, do you want to go to a hospital that has national certification where you know everybody's been through all these steps to, to treat you? Or do you want to go to a hospital where, hey, you may have just somebody just working on you? I mean, so... If you look at it like that, you you would choose every time to go to a hospital that has national accreditation. So you look at it in the public. Do you want a law enforcement agent serving you that has national accreditation that you know they have standards they have to follow, you know rules they have to do? Or do you just want an agent to just, hey, we may do this today, we may do this tomorrow? So and, and what that also is uh, does, it creates a, um, a standard of consistency, and that's obviously something that's so important in law enforcement. That is very important in law enforcement. You have a standard. That's where everything is standardized. You know, you have to do these things a certain way. You have to do, there's so many different standards that you have to achieve to get that accreditation. And they come and check you every year to make sure you still adhere to those standards just to keep that uh, accreditation. I think another um, important point of reference, um, I think about the sheriff's race and how, you know, so many people had really, you know, um, had attached the idea of the first black sheriff. You know, um, just the, the ramifications of that. Obviously, you know, you're, you're a man of your own merits regardless of race. But... Um, just understanding, you know, being here in Richmond County and how important that is to a lot of people. Um, what What's some of the feedback that, that you're getting from that in, in terms of that? And, and this being an opportunity, you know, as, as a um, African-American man, um, having the opportunity to become Marshall. Well, I mean, I, I look at that and I have seen that, you know, I will be the first African-American African -American Marshall, but it's bigger than that. It's about uniting our city. We have to have that. And that's one thing about this campaign that's, that's really uh, been uh, humbling to me that, that all the support from everybody. It's not about black or white. It's about putting the best person in there for the job. You know, I just so happen to be African-American, but I'm qualified. I can do the job. And, and the people see that. Just got an endorsement for the PBA, the Police Benevolent Association. Just got another endorsement for the Firefighters Association. And these are my peers. These are public safety. So they know, they look at my leadership and they decided that, hey, this is the best person for the job and the best person to move that marshal off forward. And I believe we can move Augusta forward. We have to get past that and start moving Augusta forward to the city needs to be. Superior Court Judge Incumbent Carl Brown. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon, here uh, a little under the weather, not much, but I mean, politics is uh, going to get me excited, y'all. Y'all know how I feel about this. I'm here with a candidate for Superior Court Judge here in the Augusta Judicial Circuit, um, a man with, I mean, just uh, decades of experience. Um, I'm very excited to uh, uh, introduce to some and reintroduce to others. Uh, Judge Carl Brown, how you doing today, my friend? Just fine, uh, Ken, and good to be with you. Glad to, glad to have you. I just want to uh, jump right to the conversation and just kind of tell the listening audience about who you are and about uh, some of your experiences um, within the uh, not only the Augusta, Augusta Judicial Circuit, but just um, uh, your experience uh, in, in being a judge and your experience on the dice. All right. Uh, well, I am an Augustan, um, born here and actually grew up here and been to the local public schools and except for being away at college and law school and in the Army have spent my entire life here. Started in the uh, judiciary in 1982 as the uh, 
judge of municipal court for the city of Augusta and then in 1994 became a superior court judge for the Augusta Judicial Circuit which consists of Richmond, Burke and Columbia counties. Uh, I've gained a lot of experience uh, and it's been said that uh, the life of our law has been experience and not uh, logic. Uh, it's a great teacher. I'm humble, honored to have been able to serve in that capacity uh, in the capacity that I serve in now for all these years. I want to continue to try to render fair and impartial justice to all of our citizens. Uh, we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's what uh, I strive for. That's a, a great perspective to have. I want to ask you, I um, had a chance to talk uh, to your opponent who is really running on the platform of uh, judicial reform. And I just want to ask you, because you have so much experience in the Augusta Judicial Circuit, uh, I, know, I know there are some things you know, that are, are working well, there are some things that may not be working as well. Um, should you be able to secure that Superior Court judge um, seat? What are some of the things that you're looking at in terms of things that we should retain and focus on and some things maybe that um, are subject or should be subject to change? All right, well, and, and it's a great question. Uh, we're, we're real proud of what we've been able to accomplish uh, to, again, uh, render fair and impartial justice to all of our, our citizens. Uh, we have a brand new courthouse in Augusta, uh, over a $67 million facility that uh, has about 17 courtrooms in it. Uh, and yeah. on any given day, we're able to uh, uh, administer justice uh, to our citizens. Uh, in our other counties in the circuit, uh, in Columbia County, the uh, Justice Center, we have a, a very modern uh, facility that uh, was built to accommodate citizens, and we're going to build one in Burke County. That's the, the, the plans are being drawn now. All of that to say that my colleagues and I work real hard to see to it that uh, uh, the most sacred of the duties of any government, as said by Jefferson, uh, are done, and that's the rendering of fair and impartial justice to all of the citizens. That's what we're trying to do. We're not perfect, but uh, we try and strive for fairness. Uh, and to be accessible uh, to all of our citizens, and we're, we're, we're proud of that. Fairness and accessibility, two just profound points of, of your platform. Are there any other points of reference that you'd like to share with the yes, community? Yes, yes. My platform is this. Uh, uh, we are a nation under God, so it's in God we trust. So the conclusion then is, help me, God. Help me to be uh, full of wisdom, understanding, patience, respect, and to have protection to do the duties that we're required to do. You are a judge, um, and just uh, in the analysis of the Augusta Judicial Circuit, um, obviously um, it's important to be impartial, yet you are, by virtue of being an African-American judge, you are a representative for many people just by virtue of, of your race, um, and now just by virtue of you being an African-American. Can you speak to... Um, particularly, you know, with the demographics of, of this county, what it means to have been, I mean, I would say a stalwart um, within the judicial circuit for as long as you've been. It, it, it's, it's an honor. I'm humble. Uh, I have been blessed to be uh, elected and returned to office. And uh, I just uh, uh, treat that as even more of a responsibility for me to do uh, all that I can to see to it 
that we do render fair and impartial justice to everybody. That's great. Well, listening audience, you've uh, had a chance to hear uh, from Judge uh, Carl Brown. I want to encourage everybody, look, come, come out and vote early. You can vote. Matter of fact, you can vote as you're listening to this podcast. But if you don't vote before uh, Saturday voting, May 20th, we really need your, uh, we want to hear your voice. Tuesday, May 24th, uh, for Superior Court Judge. Uh, judge Brown is one of the candidates. And we're so glad to have you all making a difference today. Thank you very much for having me. I really would appreciate your vote. Yes, sir. Superior Court Judge Candidate. Christopher Nicholson. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here with a candidate uh, for a Superior Court Judge in the Augusta Judicial Circuit. Very excited to have on the uh, podcast with us today, Attorney Chris Nicholson. Attorney, how you doing today, my friend? Doing fine, thank you. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Just want to jump right into the conversation and um, really just want to get get some background on you um, as an attorney and you um, running for uh running for Superior Court Judge. So just t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, 68 years old. I'll be 69 in June. I've been a practicing attorney for 42 years. I've uh, been involved in much civil and criminal litigation, both uh, minor and complex. I've dealt in almost every court, inferior court, superior court, state courts, in this Augusta Judicial Circuit. Um, I must say, and I brag on myself somewhat, that I have an overall lawyer career better than any lawyer in this Augusta Judicial Circuit. I've done many things. I've handled 20 to 30 appeals uh, to the Supreme Court and to the Court of Appeals of Georgia, and I've been uh, very successful with them. Um, I am running on the platform of uh, judicial reform. Um, I graduated from school. Uh, from Marshall Law University. I was the University of Georgia graduate in 1969. I attended all the public schools here in uh, Richmond County. My father preceded me. He was an attorney. He died in 1977. He started practice in 1931. Um, So I've been around the law all my life, and I've watched it, and I've watched uh, what goes on. And I think it's time for some reform in this judicial system in the Augusta Judicial Circuit. It's uh, really running rapid in what it does, and uh, it's violating litigants' uh, rights, defendants and civil litigants. Hmm. And I believe that I can make a, make a difference because of my overall philosophy and my overall expertise. I want to. I want to uh, uh, kind of uh, ask you. You know, you uh, mentioned judicial reform, and you alluded to some of those things. Can you give us some specifics in terms of what you would like to see changed within the AJC? Well, first of all, this guardian ad litem system they have, where they appoint guardians to oversee uh, these domestic cases, it's been a lot of abuse. And uh, one individual that was involved there, and this has all been documented. He is. Uh, been calling people in the middle of the night and sort of making advances, and he's a guardian ad litem. And uh, it's created a lot of uh, abuse in in the system. Um, There's also the uh, sentencing that goes on. Uh, People are sentenced to uh, like to wear this recidivist sentencing and this minimum mandatory sentencing. It just has to be changed. It's just there are... warehousing people in jail and it's very costly in the system and to be honest with you uh, 
I think that I uh, was reading in the New York Times editorial where they need to get rid of this con- connotation of convict to felon. I mean, you come in touch one time in your life and you live to be an old age and you've got this on you that you're a convicted felon and it sticks with you and it, and it does away with your civil rights. And the uh, governor of Virginia just uh, cleared 200,000 people so they could get their civil rights, so they could be on their citizens like every other folk. Some that have been away served their time as a young person, and then after uh, every time they file for a job application, they got this hanging over. Well, here they don't care. They send you, you go to jail. They have no interest in you. What happens to you after that? I have an interest because I have an interest in people. I don't want to see them going back to jail. I want to make sure they're on the right path. And anything I can do to help them, I will do it. There's some people that are incorrigibles that you can't deal with, and they have to be locked away for certain periods of time. But there are a lot of, Georgia probably has the higher incidence of blacks that are in jail in the United States, especially black men. So something has got to be done about it, and uh, this circuit, these judges are not addressing the problems. That's uh, some some really good perspectives, particularly when you talk about uh, uh, recidivism, um, and just and and as you mentioned, making sure that uh, you know that individuals who may go to um, go to prison uh, do not go back once they get um, back out, you know, into into society. <clears throat> right. I, I want I want I want to ask you um, because you um in is is that is that the primary point of reference in terms of when you talk about judicial reform or are there other uh, points that you or other concerns that you have with the system? Well, I noticed that you know in handling cases, uh, I'm going to make sure that I apply the facts to the law. And as I stated in my platform, I am but as a people's judge, so therefore I'm not taking any contributions from anybody, especially lawyers, because all over this country. There are people trying to buy influence in the judicial system. And if you notice my opponent, all the people that are backing him are lawyers who have cases before him. So they're looking for help. I, I'm not involved in all that. I've watched that all my life. That's not the way the law ought to be. It's not, uh, you know, who's, who's got the connection with the judge. And people go down there in this court today, and they don't know that these judges have been the involved in domestic divorces and they have lawyers, certain lawyers that represent them, and those lawyers appear for other litigants, and little does a person on the other side know that that lawyer was represented, uh, represented the judge. And there you are, you're stuck, not knowing because they don't tell you that. They just do whatever they want to. And it's what I call strong arm of the law and it needs to be stopped in this circuit. It's uh, just being a overdone, it's done every day people see it, but they don't know what's happening to them, but I do know and I'm watching it and I'm going to stop all I had one client that went down to have his, I didn't represent him originally, he went down to withdraw his lawyer and before the day was over he had a life sentence because wow. one of the judges strong on him in the pleading guilty and that's all we got around here is a strong arm of the law Judges 
make two hundred and twelve thousand a year working nine to four or nine to five. They got a staff. They probably seven judges probably cost us about five million a year to have them to operate. And they just do, you know, and they got people out here that write opinions and clerks. They don't what they do, uh, you know, the average citizen could do it. You, and you don't have to be a, a lawyer to be on the Supreme Court of the United States. And I'm surprised they haven't pointed a lot on you. This is not rocket science we're dealing with. This is stuff that people who can read and write and act logically and do not have preconceived notions about what the law, that we ought to just arrest everybody and throw the key away. Uh, I'm not all for that. And uh, I want to be as fair, as fair can be to everybody that's before the court. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, that's a, a great uh, just all around, <clears throat> I think, um, assessment in terms of, you know, some of the concerns that I think and some of the angst that I, I believe a lot of people have uh, in, in terms of the uh, judicial system. I would just want to encourage the listening audience, uh, particularly those of you all uh, in the greater Augusta area, take advantage of, uh, of, of early voting. Uh, you can actually vote right now, Saturday voting. Uh, I believe it's on May the 20th, but if you don't get a chance to get to Saturday voting, by all means, make sure that you make your voices heard on Tuesday, May the 24th. Uh, the Superior Court judge uh, is one of the seats that will be open, um, and Attorney Chris Nicholson's name will certainly be in that mix. Attorney Nicholson, so glad to have you on the show today. Okay, thank you ever so much. Yes, sir. I'm Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon. Hello, I am William Bill Fenoy, your District 1 Commissioner, and I need your vote for re-election on Tuesday, May 24th. Since I moved to Augusta in 1966, I have committed myself to serving the greater community and giving a voice to the voiceless. My campaign and actions as a commissioner have reflected that the city of Augusta and specifically District 1, has suffered through flooding for many years. Finally, through my leadership and the leadership of my colleagues on the commission, we have addressed rampant flooding throughout our community. More than $21 million have been spent in infrastructure in District 1 over the past three years. This is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of present and future allocation. The city has almost $80 million in projects under design for District 1. More than $110 million in tier projects will be spent improving downtown Augusta over the next 10 years. I believe this area to be one of the most popular and flourishing areas in the whole city. There's a lot of growth and planning that can go into making this area one of the best in the state of Georgia. In order to continue that work, I need your vote. I encourage you to take advantage of early voting, but if not, please make sure that you get out to vote on Tuesday, May 24th, for me, William Bill Fenoy, your District 1 Commissioner. Paid for by the committee to re-elect William Bill Fenoy. I'm Kelly McIntyre. I'm honored you elected me your Solicitor General four years ago, but I need your help again. I'm running for state court judge. 
I have 23 years of judicial experience and I've seen hundreds of cases and I'm the only candidate who understands how today's state court operates. My experience has prepared me to transition from solicitor to state court judge. I know I'm not entitled to your vote. That's why I'm asking for your vote on May 24th. Paid for by the committee to elect Kelly McIntyre state court judge. Excellence, integrity, and service. They're just a few of the core values for Payne College. Its commitment to educational merit has been faithful for over 133 years. I'm Danny Glover, and my mom and aunts went to Payne College, so its value is priceless to me. The lessons and love they received from Payne helped me to grow up and understand the power of education. That's why I'm here to support Payne College and to encourage you to do the same. Let the legacy continue. The future of their existence is important to your community. Give your support to something significant. Give your support to Payne College. vote this coming May 24th when I'm competing for the post of Richmond County Commissioner in District 1. I'm a resident of over 25 years and I live in the Harrisburg neighborhood. I truly believe that Augusta is at her tipping point to demonstrate what a vibrant city really looks like. We have the potential to move Augusta forward in the areas of employment, community development, housing, and transportation especially. And it is vital that these discussions, deliberations, and implementations by the decision makers includes you. Issues such as abandoned properties, flood events, ethics, no one's talking about ethics and transparency and fairness in awarding bids have all been on the minds of local Augustans. Our leaders must be accessible and willing to articulate the status of local government decision making to their constituents. Please visit denisetrena.us. Remember, question authority. You deserve to know more about how your city spends your tax dollars. On May 24th, vote Denise Trena, Commissioner, District 1. I'm Ernest Thomas, Jr., and I am a candidate for the Clerk of Court. I've served the Richmond County government for nearly 30 years, working my way up the ladder. I started out as a cleanup guard and now I serve as chief investigator for the Richmond County State Court Solicitor General's Office. I want to take the same attitude I have employed over my three decades of service and apply that to the office of the clerk of court. If elected, I will be committed to customer service, technological advances, and community involvement. I want to improve communication between employees and the public, as well as communication between government entities. I'm more than qualified to do the job. All I need is your vote, Augusta Richmond County. I would implore you to vote early, but please make sure you vote on Tuesday, May 24th for me, Ernest Thomas Jr., the candidate for the Clerk of Court, paid for by the committee to elect Ernest Thomas Jr. Clerk of Court. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon, here with a candidate uh, for a clerk of court here in uh, beautiful Augusta, Georgia, uh, Richmond County. 
I'm very excited to share with you all, or to introduce uh, to some and reintroduce to, uh, to others, uh, Ernest Thomas, candidate for Clerk of Court. How you doing today, Mr. Thomas? I'm fine, sir. How are you today? Feeling good, feeling great. Just uh, looking forward to, uh, to talking with you and, and kind of getting some perspective on uh, just some of your, your experiences. I understand that you have uh, you know, been, been, been working in this particular area of, of, of customer community service for nearly 40 years. Is that right? Yes, 40 years. I started my career in the Municipal Court of Augusta uh, before consolidation. Uh, not as a, a clerk, but as a guard watching the cleanup crew. From there, worked through the system. Now I'm chief investigator with the solicitor's office. That's a, 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 a very good transition. It really speaks a lot to, um, I mean, hard work, dedication, and commitment. Would you, would you say that? Yeah, uh, it is. And I encourage all kids, you know, when I started, I knew I didn't want to be a cleanup guard for the rest of my life. So mm -hmm. I paid attention to it. Education is the key, though. Wanting to improve yourself and wanting to make better, because I grew up in the Hasbro area, so therefore I had uh, both sides of the coin and understood and compassion about the job that I'm doing, because I want to make sure that when you come through the court system, that you understand both sides of it. A lot of people say, clerk of court, what, what is a clerk of court? Can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah, the clerk of court office, they maintain all records from the superior state and juvenile courts. I mean, they house all records safely. If you wanted to come and get a certified copy of a sentence or whatever, you will find that in the clerk's office. Also, uh, if you want to be a notary, you apply for your notary, and also you uh, uh, child support recovery, deeds, the properties, all those land deeds, or they're housed there and given to the community for research. I want to ask you, um, if elected, what type of philosophy do you believe you'll bring to this office? Uh, one of customer service. I believe in customer service because uh, being involved in that for the majority of my life, I don't believe in giving folks to run around going from different offices. You know, if it's if you come to our office looking for something, we won't be able to point you in the right direction if we don't have it. I truly believe in that. And also, I believe in knowledge, making the community knowledgeable of what the office does. Uh, we want to go out into the community and make sure that they get an understanding on what duties that we offer. So when you come in, you'll have an idea of what to ask for. What do you want the community and what do you want the voters to know about Ernest Thomas? That I'm compassionate, open, honest, and fair. Compassionate about the job that I do and compassionate about the community itself, the people that I serve. I'm not a politician but I'm a public servant. That's an excellent introduction. I want to encourage you all to go vote early. But if you don't vote early, Tuesday, May 24th, uh, Clerk of Court is one of just so many important races um, that are up for grabs. And uh, so glad to have uh, Ernest Thomas on the show with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Very well. Clerk of Court candidate Hattie Holmes Sullivan. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We're here with a candidate uh, uh, in Augusta, Richmond County for the uh, open clerk of court seat. I want to introduce uh, to you all in the, uh, in the greater Augusta community and, you know, wherever you may be listening from. Just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed with this particular candidate, uh, with her, uh, her commitment to community service, really just a, a commitment to excellence. I'm here to present uh, Ms. Hattie Holmes Sullivan. How you doing today, ma'am? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Glad to glad to have you on the show. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, and I know people out there are, are probably wondering the same thing I, I am. What does a what does a clerk of court do? <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing you asked that because uh, since we've been out on the campaign trail uh, since February, and that's the first question that people usually ask me. And the clerk is, is as I kind of make everybody understand it. It's like she's a custodian of records of, of court records. And that consists of uh, civil and domestic uh, cases, lawsuits, 
or real estate deeds, liens, plats, military discharges. Um, they're 10 and the need of the Superior State and Juvenile Court as well. So it's very important that some of the little things that we do, jury summons, um, we're responsible for getting those information out to you as well as your jury check. Uh, traffic citations, those once the officer issues citations, um, those fines are collected in the clerk's office as well. As we have a lot of interaction with the uh, with the public. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, that's look that that helps out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just in, in in terms of understanding, um, you know exactly yeah, what the officer. A lot of people, I mean, you know, interrupt you, but a lot of people say, "Well, that's just you know, just never heard of that kind of position." It's not a high profile. Opposition, like you, you know, you sheriff and you soliciting your judges, but it's so important because um, the citizens of Richmond County have to decide on a person to be responsible, maintain that information for them, and have it available for them at their view at any time that they request. Absolutely, I, I want to ask you now about. Uh, some of your experience in terms of, okay. you know, uh, prior to a uh, clerk of court, I, I've known you more recently to, uh, to have worked, uh, in the, uh, in the sheriff's office, uh, working with, uh, Sheriff Roundtree and I mean, just a, a wildly successful, uh, campaign he's had over these last four years, but just kind of give us some, uh, some background on your, on your experiences. Okay. Well, I started, uh, and when I tell people this too, they look at me where funny. I started back in 1978. Wow. This is where I actually started working in the clerk's office. Uh, I was working on the clerk by the name of Miss Helen M. Stokes. A lot of people probably hadn't heard of her. But um, she was the one who actually hired me. And you can think about that era back in 1978. A lot of African Americans wasn't uh, working in, in the government as much. So you had probably maybe one or two people working in the office there. So I was fortunate um, to be one of those persons. And I have people laughing because of the way that my interview went with her. She just asked me three little questions. <laughs> and it was like, can you type? And... Do you go to church and do you smoke? And that's, that was the gist of my interview. And then I got the answers right because um, she called me and, I, and it started then. <laughs> that's <laughs> and after that. Uh, go ahead. Uh -huh. No, I was going to say, go ahead. You're, you're fine. Yeah, and I worked with her. I actually worked in the clerk's office for over 25 years. And I was able to retire at the, um, the right age and the right years of service. And after that, I went to work with Judge Watkins as his administrative assistant for over eight years. And after that, I became one of Sheriff Rontree's assistant in 2012 when he was elected. And I'm there now. Of course, I'm on leave right now, but I'm still employed uh, with him. That's that's really uh, that's, that's incredible to hear that you've uh, been a part, you know, of this particular, I guess, just uh, role of service since, I mean, yes. since the, the late 70s. Um, yes, and I enjoy it so much. I, I just love serving people. I just, it's, it's always been a part of me, just being a public service. Hmm. I want to ask you, what's the, I mean, and, and you alluded to it by saying, you know, just the number of African Americans in, in, uh, in public office during the late 70s. To uh -huh. see, particularly in Augusta, now that we're seeing, you know, so many black elected officials, you know, you've been, having been someone who's been in, in part of politics or in government for almost 40 years. To yeah. see that transition, talk talk about that, and 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 you know what what comes with that when you see now more diversity and representation um, in city government. It really is. I mean, of course, Judge Brown made made history. I'm not sure what he made history or not, but that was you know amazing to see him and still there on the bench. That's that's very awesome. And uh, the big election with 
Chef Bronte was uh, all worked hard with that, as well as myself, uh, to make that happen. Because you think about it, your first black sheriff in Augusta, Georgia, oh, I've never heard of, but uh, that that was amazing to me. And I think about the conversations that I used to have with my father, because he was very into politics, but uh, the late McIntyre during that time frame. And we, him and I used to sit on the porch and just talk about, you know, how it would be if uh, we had more of us, as he said, in office like that. Because, you know, we all qualified, just, just never had a chance. Hmm. So for him to, uh, I wish he could see me now <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that capacity as well. But it, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know? It's just really good. And my desire is just to hope to inspire other young women to, you know, get involved in the community as well as get involved in politics. It's just so important right now, really is. Your your father. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I was going to ask your father's name. His, his name is Lewis L E W I S Holmes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's uh. Oh, he loves he loves this kind of stuff. I just miss him so much now. I just hope he's watching. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to have all the conversations, all, you know, all the time about politics and uh, how he just wished we could get more involved in it. I know some people get turned off with it a lot, you know, just the same old thing they always hear, but, you know, they're, they're, we make a difference, we really do. Mm. And that's what I want to do. I just always want to inspire. You know, it's not just about me winning a clerk of court, I want to become a clerk of court, but it's, it's more than just that to me. It really is. Mm. I, it really if, is. If you could describe um, just your your platform and your ideology, um, you know, if, if elected, what, what type of uh, representation will you bring to that office? Okay, uh, to me, um, customer service is so important to me because when you walk into some place, and a lot of times people don't even like coming into to the building, first of all. <laughs> uh, you know, they have this, uh, just like you go into the courthouse, you know, it's going to be some kind of problem. So I want to work on that customer service and make some people feel, you know, okay, this is the clerk's office, you come here, you get what you need. And if you find out, once you get there, this is not the office that you need. And I want to make sure our girls are well, not just ladies, but men too are just trained uh, to be able to send that person to where they need to be. You know, have enough information to pass them on to where they need to be. But customer service is one of my things I really want to work on. Uh, quality service. I'm sure that um, technology is the key to the clerk's office. You just cannot function without that. So I just want to keep people abreast on that. And assure them that that information is secured at all times, and available them through a technology where they can be more user friendly for the system that they that they come in and look for. Both uh, very uh, very vital and very important um, to that particular office uh, when it comes to comes to clerk of court. I want to encourage you all if you're listening and you're in the Greater Augusta area, um, go vote. You uh, vote early. Uh, but if you don't vote early, then we want to make sure that you come out Tuesday, May the 24th. Make your voice heard uh, in regards to, uh, look, all of these very important elections. Uh, glad to have Miss Hattie Holmes Sullivan uh, on Making a Difference today. Thank you so much for coming on. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Anytime I get a chance to speak to all listeners, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. All righty. Bye-bye. Did you enjoy that episode of Making a Difference? If you did, then I want you to follow and keep up with the Making a Difference movement on Twitter, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. If you're looking us up on iTunes, search for Making M-A-K-I-N-A Difference. SoundCloud, all you got to do is go to soundcloud.com backslash Making a Difference. On Twitter, the handle is Difference Making, M-A-K-I-N. And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com 
backslash making a difference show s-h-o-w thank you guys so much for supporting the movement love you guys peace and god bless